Well, friends, let me invite you to open up your Bibles to Proverbs 1. Um, if you do not have uh, a, a a Bible in front of you. You can follow along in the, your worship guide or on the wall behind me. And But what we're doing um, today and for the next few weeks is that we're starting with last week, we started a new sermon series on the book of Proverbs. And Proverbs is a part of what we call we, wisdom literature within the Old Testament. And this is, the majority of this book is written by Solomon. Uh, he is known within Scripture to be one of the wisest men who has ever lived, even though he had some significant blind spots in his life. If you know the life of his, if you know his life, you know those blind spots really well. But these proverbs were given to princes. Princes would read these and memorize these, internalize these proverbs within their heart as they would prepare to become kings. Judges would do the same. Rabbis would do the same. Because what this book is seeking to do is to help us all grow in wisdom, to help us grow in discernment, to help us grow in knowledge where we can actually thrive in our life, where we can flourish. That's really the promise that this book is getting at. This is the way of wisdom. And so as we would grow in wisdom, we would actually thrive and flourish. That's what Proverbs is about. And so let's turn our attention to God's word. I'm reading um, Proverbs 1, verses 1 through 7. You can follow along on the wall behind me, and this is the English Standard uh, Version. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. To give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and the riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let me pray for us. Father God, we thank you for your word that you have given to us. And as we have just read, Father, your word is given to us to know wisdom and instruction and, and to grow in understanding. Father, we pray that as we look at your word now, may your spirit be working in our lives to help us grow and to know and to become more wise because you have spoken to us. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Why go to a counselor? There are many different reasons that may bring you to counseling. Perhaps it, it's where you need to revisit some moments in your own story, or you need a, a new person with fresh ears to hear parts of your life. Perhaps you're tired of doing the same thing over and over again, where you feel like you are just reliving and rehearsing a script. Or perhaps someone, like a judge, sent you. Or perhaps others, like a spouse, brought you along with them. But why go to counseling? Even behind all those reasons, what's at the heart of it? What is at the heart of why you would go to counseling? Because all these reasons are actually getting at one thing, where we need to grow in awareness. We, because the truth is, we need a guide to grow in our own self-discovery. We need help to grow. We need 
insight that is actually outside of us. And so as this book of Proverbs is before us, something to realize is that the book of Proverbs is a counseling office, a counselor's office, where we are sitting in this office with our counselor, and the counselor is none other than Jesus, that he is the wonderful counselor. But Jesus is not just sitting across the coffee table from you, hearing your story. He's not just listening to what you're saying. He is also, in turn, speaking to you. And as he is speaking to you, he shows incredible discernment. He actually reveals that he knows the situation far better than you do. And he is there to help you figure things out. In other words, Jesus is there helping you be wise. That is what the book of Proverbs does for us. And as we consider this passage for us this morning, we're going to look at wisdom and see the relevance and the importance of wisdom in our lives in three different ways, or three specific ways. One is the, we're going to first consider the importance of wisdom. We're going to think about the definition of wisdom, and we're going to ask, who is wise? That's our, our outline for this morning. So first, let's consider the importance of wisdom. As we go about our every day, as we go about every week, as we're seeking to obey God, we find a gap in our lives. When, and some examples of this gap for us to, to briefly consider. When Scripture tells us to honor the authorities, like in 1 Peter, honor the emperor, honor Caesar, that's also Romans. What happens actually when we don't have a Caesar or a Roman emperor? Like what happens for us as Americans when we are the ones who are putting officials in office by voting for them? What should you look for in our leaders? Because on one hand, we have this command from God, obey your leaders and your officials, your officials, but what happens when you're voting for them? What do you do in this case? Well, here's Proverbs. Proverbs 28, verse 2. When a land is in rebellion, it has many rulers... But with a discerning and knowledgeable person, the land endures. So just to highlight, just a simple point of action from, from Proverbs, that as you go into the voting booth, you vote for someone who is knowledgeable and discerning. So, so here, just to highlight the importance of wisdom, here's Proverbs that actually helps us see the earthiness of our everyday life. Well, here's another example. Because like so from Scripture, we find this commandment over and over again to love your neighbor, to love one another. This actually ought to be a guiding principle in how we relate to another. It, after all, Jesus calls this the second greatest commandment. But what does it look like to love one another? What does it look like to love our neighbor? Certainly, and this is something that we know, one of the best ways that we can say say that we love you and we show love for one another is simply by saying hello. Think about that. Just like when you greet someone, you just want to say, hey, hello. I, that's one of the best ways that we can show that we love one another. But, but there's limits. There's a time and a place even. Even how we go about that. Proverbs 27, verse 14. If one blesses his neighbor with a loud voice early in the morning, it will be counted as a curse to him. Here's the beauty of this. Because scripture, what we see right here is God knows, Jesus knows what it's like to have your children jump at you in the morning and wake you up. 
God knows what it's like to have a coworker greet you before you've had your first cup of coffee. God knows what it's like. Because being jumped on, being greeted with a loud voice first thing in the morning, that is meant as a blessing. That's meant as really an expression of love. But it's received as a curse. Where you're like, why are you doing this? You, you actually are so annoyed. You get, are annoyed at the other person in your mind. And so here's the joy of Proverbs. God is actually looking at our lives. And this is a clear instance that, God, that shows us that God actually gets what's going on in our minds. God understands what's going on in our everyday life. So this is actually just underscoring the importance of wisdom, actually. That if we're going to grow in our love for our neighbor, let's actually weigh each moment and let's figure out what's the best way for us to love our neighbor and to love others well. So one of the reasons why wisdom is important is that it is a roadmap to our life. There's a greater precision to the book of Proverbs more than just do not commit murder. Like there's this command from God that says, hey, it's black and white. Life is sacred. Protect life. But then there's Proverbs that actually helps us see what that looks like in our everyday life. Same with the commandment, do not bear false witness. Again, Proverbs helps us see what it looks like to uphold the truth. And not bear false witness. So here's Proverbs. This is a roadmap to life that is seeking to help you weigh things, to make decisions, and to grow discernment. Because this is something we desperately need. What should you major in? What career path should you be on? Should I apply for that job? Should I move? Should we buy that house? Should we invest in that fund? Marry that person? Should I talk to my parents about that thing? Should I talk to my children about that thing? How do I approach my friend? What do I say? These are all the questions that Proverbs is actually wonderfully positioned to answer. That because Proverbs is actually about wisdom. That wisdom is desperately and profoundly needed in our life. And there's another dynamic here for us. And like Proverbs 1 puts it very clearly. That if we do not have wisdom, we are fools. We could jump ahead to any passage within Proverbs, but what we find in Proverbs 4, for example, is that the fool does not even know what trips them over at night. The, what the Proverbs is getting at is that there's this lack of awareness, that the wicked cannot sleep. The, wicked, the way of the wicked is like the deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. The picture for us here is that foolishness and Lack of awareness, not knowing what's going on in your own heart is, is part of it. And so as we think about the importance of wisdom in our life, here is this invitation to even grow in self-awareness and self-discovery, but also more than that. And so as we think about wisdom and we see the importance of it in our daily lives, we need to recognize and ask the question, what is wisdom? Because the picture of Proverbs is that there's a fork in the road. And we are right there at the fork of the road. That on one hand, you can go the way of foolishness. On the other hand, you can go the way of wisdom. As Andrew said earlier, like there's this 
Wisdom is being personified as a person for us, and wisdom is calling to us and saying, come this way. Choose the way of of wisdom. Because if you choose the way of foolishness, it leads to death. But if you choose the way of wisdom, it leads to life, and you thrive and to flourish. So again, this begs the question, what is wisdom? If we're going to choose the path of life where we can thrive and flourish, What is wisdom? And this is the second point, the definition of wisdom. And as we think about wisdom here, like wisdom, there are, in fact, a lot of different words that could be synonymous with wisdom. And we see those words here for us in Proverbs 1, and we'll look at these words in a moment. But the Hebrew word for wisdom is this word chokmah. And one question just to ask is, how do we see this word used in Scripture elsewhere? So here's a few examples. Exodus 35, 31, when God told artists and craftsmen to make the tabernacle, the skill of an artist is described as wisdom as they made the tabernacle. In Jeremiah 10, verse 9, there's goldsmiths who are making gold. They're called wise. And then there's Psalm 107. There's sailors who have a certain know-how on how to navigate the winds and the seas as they sail their boats. They're called wise. So there's a certain, so the picture that we have right there is that wisdom is actually seen in our everyday life. But how does Proverbs speak about wisdom? And these are the synonyms I kind of want us to look at. Verse 3, to know wisdom. You also see in verse 4, knowledge. To give knowledge and discretion to the youth. See, when we think about knowledge, like we simply can think about knowledge as like saying we have intellectual scent, that I know that. Like you may say, I know dad, or you may say this to someone else, like I know that already. But in Hebrew, there's actually another dimension to knowledge. There's, it's relational, it's recognition. Friends can know one another. Friends can recognize one another. Married couples recognize their spouse. And so as we think about this for wisdom, and this is important, wisdom can be recognized. That wisdom is also profoundly relational. So that's one part of wisdom, about knowledge and what knowledge is getting at here. The second thing, and this is in verse 4, to give prudence to the simple. What is prudence? This isn't really a word that we use that often in our life. But what's also helpful in our culture, our culture has personified prudence. Think about the Beatles song, Dear, Dear Prudence, where you hear these lyrics. Dear Prudence, won't you come out to play? Dear Prudence, greet the brand new day. See, what's going on here for the Beatles is that they're personifying prudence and seeing prudence as a buzzkill, a Debbie Downer, a killjoy. And that is actually how many in our culture think about prudence, but that is not what he, this, the Hebrew Scriptures are getting at here. That prudence is actually something much greater than that. Another way to translate this word in is being shrewd and having shrewdness. So shrewdness or prudence, this means living in a way that avoids tragedy. Living in a way that avoids tragedy. So if tragedy comes your way, if you are prudent, it's not because you brought it on yourself. That if you're prudent, you endure tragedy and it's simply happening to you. So like think about having insurance. You have insur- homeowner's insurance so that if something happens to your house, 
It's a, a tragic, but you're able to recover from it. Maybe that's why one insurance company is called Prudential Insurance. See, prudence is using your reason under the fear of God to navigate the problems of life. It's approaching a tragedy and being calm and collected and being cool-headed. And so this is, brings a certain other dimension to wisdom here. That wisdom is being cool-headed and, in fact, preparing for tragedies in life. Another synonym for wisdom, verse 5, is at the end, Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. The word guidance is what I want us to focus on here because this word in Hebrew only occurs four times in Proverbs. And it means a lot more than what we may think about guidance. That when you think about guidance, or at least I think about guidance, a compass. A compass provides guidance. It tells you that way is north, that way is east, south, and west. It, you think about a, a GPS system that gives you guidance, that tells you where to go. See, Proverbs actually tells you more than just where to go. The guidance that Proverbs is actually telling us about is actually it's a guidance to actually know a mystery. This is guidance that gives you insight into a mystery. Look at verse 6. To obtain guidance to understand a proverb and a saying. So that this idea of guidance is that you can, yes, have a guide in life, but you can actually figure out a puzzle. That you can figure out a riddle. But where does all this begin? The climax of, of, this, of these first seven verses is actually verse 7. And this is a, a phrase that is repeated over and over and over again within Scripture. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Other translations will actually say the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Because this is significant. The reason why this is significant is that it gets at the question, what makes us wise? What makes you wise? What makes me wise? And as we think about this question within our culture, is it street smarts? Do you become wise just from experience? Do you become wise from common sense or old age? Now, the wonderful thing about Proverbs is that Proverbs celebrates each one of these things and many more never looks down upon these things, never is condescending, but Proverbs actually reorients them because wisdom comes from God. That is what verse 7 is getting at. Wisdom ultimately comes from God. And if you're going to be wise, then you need to fear the Lord. Go back to our call to worship from Isaiah 11. In Isaiah 11, which is speaking about Jesus, the phrase that is actually repeated twice is that he would fear the Lord, that he would fear the Lord. And in Hebrew, the repetition is actually there for emphasis. But everything is from the Lord. Everything. Like here's Proverbs 20, verse 12, that an ear to ear and an eye to see, Yahweh made both, both of them. See, Scripture never shines away from the brilliance or the insight or the knowledge of non-Christians. Like, Psalm 107, and we, I mentioned this earlier, that here are sailors who are navigating the seas and the winds. They're described as being wise, having incredible know-how, but they do not know who made the wind or where it comes from or who made the waves. There's limits to wisdom apart from God. 
And so verse 7 gets at the fear of the Lord is the foundation for everything. The assumption for us, if we're going to grow in wisdom, this is key. This is where we start. And looking at the latter part of verse 7, there's this revelation that we see that not everyone is wise for one very specific reason. Not everyone lives under God's authority. Not everyone puts himself under his reign and submits to his word. And so what Proverbs does is that Proverbs actually sees a progression to foolishness. There's different Hebrew words for foolish characters in the book of Hebrews. You have the fool, you have the thick-headed, who's called the mocker. No, the evil one, that's what it is. And then you have the mocker, the scoffer. That's the progression within the book of Proverbs. And so Chuck DeGroat in his book, The Toughest People to Love, he writes similarly that you have a simple fool, a self-consumed fool, and a sinister fool. That there's this progression to wickedness. But at the end of the day, it starts, there's a beginning point for foolishness, and it's here in verse 7, that fools despise wisdom and instruction. And so put it on the flip side. Because there are two ways to living. If you're choosing the way of foolishness, you're despising wisdom from the Lord. You're despising his instruction. You're refusing it, rejecting it. But if you're going to pursue wisdom and go down the path of wisdom, you're going to receive God's instruction. You're going to embrace it. And so to come back to the question, or what is wisdom? What is the definition of wisdom? Wisdom is the skill of godly living. Wisdom is the skill of godly living. And so this brings us to the question of who is wise. Who is wise? Now the book of Proverbs tells us quite clearly it is not us. We saw this in Proverbs 4. This was our call to confession. And we see that even here in Proverbs 1. That while we can grow in wisdom, this is not where we start. We're at the fork of the road. So where are we? How does Proverbs describe us? We're described as the simple by the the ESV. In the New Living Translation, that's Proverbs 4, it's ignorance. And the New American Standard, it's naive. But here's the question. Do you like being called simple? Do you like being called ignorant? Do you like being called naive? I know I don't. Um, But there's a certain candidness. That is actually refreshing when it comes to Scripture. The Bible never idealizes us. It never romanticizes us. God is actually always honest about who we are and where we are starting. That we are here and we are simple and ignorant. That we have this wonderful potential to grow. We can grow in wisdom. We can grow in foolishness. And so Ray Ortland he writes this, that the Bible sets a low bar where beginners can get some traction and succeed. So as we think about who is wise, it's not us. We are actually being honestly referred to in very candid ways. Now, one other idea here is that when we see this type of candidness and candor, it can be actually be received as unloving. That's not actually the case because here's God and our creator. He's the one who's speaking to us. I should actually say that is not always the case. We need to think about who is the one who is speaking to us. And it's God, our creator, our redeemer, our savior, who's speaking to us. When there's incredible candidness and candor and honesty, 
when it's spoken from a, a position of love, it's actually meant to bring us to a deeper point of relationship. Now, but also continuing to highlight something else here. Every single one of us needs to grow in wisdom. Look at verse 5. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. So the point is that even the wise need to learn and to grow in wisdom. And so this is the wonderful picture of the church that is actually being given to us. That all of us ought to be growing and the calling of the church is to be growing together. Because it is a great thing to look at one another, to say to one another, I see you growing. When you're able to say that and to see God's work in each other's life, take a moment and stop and celebrate that to one another. But as we think more about who is wise, it's not us. And even the wisest among us needs to continue to grow in wisdom. Who is wise? We, may, we mistakenly think that wisdom is just knowing what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. But what if, as Andrew said, wisdom is a person? Because Proverbs presents wisdom to us as a woman. But when Jesus came and he said, come to me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. And you will have rest. What Jesus is saying there is that he is actually wisdom in the flesh. There's other passages in Jesus' life that or the Gospels that make this point incredibly clear. John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. That is very similar to Proverbs 8. Proverbs 8.22 says this, The Lord acquired me at the beginning of his creation before his works of long ago. And, the, and Proverbs 8 goes on. Paul makes this abundantly clear to us that in 1 Corinthians 1.30, that was our assurance, that it, Jesus Christ became the wisdom of God for us. So as we think about who is wise, it's Jesus. Jesus is wisdom incarnate, wisdom in the flesh. And apart from Jesus Christ, we are not wise and we have no hope of becoming wise. We're fools. But Jesus, he reveals himself. He makes us wise wise. That we need Jesus to rescue us from our information, from knowledge, from our learning. We need Jesus to be our counselor. We need Jesus to counsel us with these wonderful ancient Proverbs to show us what true living looks like. Because living, the new life, the new, being part of the new creation comes straight from Jesus. And this is why, friends, we need to make a big deal about Jesus. That we are fools for Christ, but you are wise in Christ. This is what, G, what Paul said about their ministry. And so by faith, we're actually united to wisdom himself. And wisdom himself lavishes his wisdom out upon us. And what, in fact, the only reason why we do not have wisdom is because we do not ask. There's James. And so as we think about Proverbs Let's grow in wisdom. But for us to grow in wisdom, we must humble ourselves. We must receive the Lord's instruction. We need to embrace the Lord's word and work. And that means pursuing Jesus. Not pursuing ourselves. Not pursuing our own agendas. But pursuing Jesus because he is the embodiment of wisdom. And in fact, he's the only way for us to, to be wise. So let's pursue him together. And let's, as we pursue him together, we'll see the Holy Spirit's work in our life and we'll be able to turn to one another and say, you're growing and let's continue to grow together.
Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your good word that you have given to us. We thank you for the wonderful picture that you have shown us. That in your candor, in your honesty, you show us there are two ways to living. And that only with you is the path of life. And and so, Father, we pray that you would give us the grace to grow in knowledge. That we would have greater insight. That we would grow in discernment. And that we would grow in grace. And this is something that can only come from you. So, Father, we pray that you would help us to grow in our fear of you. Instead of fearing others or fearing circumstances, but our fear of you would grow and shape the entirety of our life together. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.